Welcome to Hell Week. Welcome to the Nursery Podcast and welcome to Hell Week. This is our new series that JP and I put together for rising interns and actually for anybody who's interested in our training programs. This is a consolidated series to try to get you ready, all the things you need to know in order to be a training neurosurgeon. Hi everybody, JP here. The usual disclaimers. The information in this podcast does not constitute medical advice. The opinions expressed are our own and don't reflect those of any institution or professional organization. But perhaps most importantly, we're going to loosen up a little for this series. So expect some constructive advice, some controversial stories, but most importantly, get ready to learn. Now, let's get started. So welcome again to another Hell Week episode. Today we're going to cover something that seems very elementary, but is actually critical to your success as a house officer. Today we're going to talk about lists and lists of lists. And the whole idea is how do you stay organized when you're tired, busy, and you've got all these new things that you've never been introduced to, and now you're doing it for the first time. So JP and I are on together. Welcome again, JP. Hey, Dr. Wang. Great. So tell me what you're doing now at Rush. So you're an intern, uh, you're finishing up your first year, and uh, you're going on rounds, or you're meeting people, and they're saying, hey, uh, JP, don't forget to pull that train. JP, don't forget to check that CBC. How do you account for all of these tasks and, uh, and duties and then transfers of information? How do you keep track of all that? Right. Well, like, um, like surgeons of any subspecialty and uh, like even many very organized medical students, um, we write everything down. And this was actually a, a big transition for me. When I was a medical student, um, between the services that I rotated through and kind of how we've discussed in other episodes, the shrinking uh, and continually shrinking duties of medical students in the modern healthcare landscape, I wasn't much of a writer in terms of you know keeping notes on things to do and, and having a very good organizational system. I was able to keep most of that in my head. Um, So if I could give a a preliminary word of advice to any rising interns who have, like me, been smart, uh, maybe intuitively organized people, don't try to pull those tricks when you're an intern in neurosurgery. Write everything down um, and come up with a good system that works for you. Learn from those above you, but don't just parrot whatever they do. Find a system that works for yourself, be that color coding with different kinds of inks or whatever kind of boxes or circles and dots and dashes and check marks, whatever you will understand at a glance to make sure that you don't A, miss a task at all, or then B, uh, forget whether or not you've done something. Find some concrete ink on paper method to keep yourself organized. Yeah, great. That's great advice. Now, let me just just issue a little bit of a cautionary statement out there. So we have medical students of all stripes graduating and congratulations on your graduations. Uh, I'm sorry you're having to do it virtually and not in person, as is classically done. Um, For the students who are coming from programs, or I should say schools, that do not have strong neurosurgery programs, or maybe don't have a residency program, maybe you've never truly been exposed to what you're going to be getting into, maybe. And uh, I'm going to add another thing we're going to discuss on a later podcast, which is this issue of this year's uh, MS3s are not going to be doing away sub-eyes. So let's say you're at a medical school where the residency is a little bit more boutique, a little more gentlemanly. 
maybe you've never had to round on 60 patients in the morning before 6 a.m. Maybe you've never been on a service where those 60 people are discharged an average of three or four days later, which means you got a whole new 60 before the week's over. So JP, let's talk about that. Let's talk about, uh, honestly, there are people who have, you know, black belts in this already, right? But this is more for the folks who maybe don't. So tell us, what are you doing on, on a piece of paper? You put a little box and you write a little thing next to it. I'm going to do this and you check it off when you're done or. Yeah, well, <laughs> kind of like I said, we all have our own um, obsessive and idiosyncratic. You're not going to share your secrets with us? Well, okay. So my system, uh, for, for most of the first half of this year, I was a multicolored guy, which I had never done during medical school again, because there just weren't that many people to keep track of. And in fact, to kind of emphasize that point that you made, I think unique among any medical specialty, much less surgical subspecialties, the individual neurosurgical resident has got to be responsible for more people in the hospital than anyone else in any field. If you look at the size of neurosurgery services in hospitals, um, especially considering spine practice within neurosurgery, the census is very large. And if you look at the size of neurosurgical residencies, we're obviously very small. So it's simple arithmetic to look at that ratio of personnel to patients. You're going to be responsible as an individual, as an intern, you will be responsible for more human lives in the hospital than you would be in any other field of medicine. So that's just another point to emphasize why it's so important to stay organized and and do these things on paper, not try to hold everybody in your head. So, so t- tell me about the colors because I I'm fascinated now. Do you have like a pocket protector with all different pens, or is it a, one of those clicky pens with four different colors on it? How are you doing this? I was I was a clicky pen with four different colors guy. And here here at Rush, there are two big camps. Are you a multicolored guy, or do you just write in blue? Because the um, the printout is obviously in black ink, so then some of us write in blue because it's visible against the black and white of the printed page. And so for most of the first half of the year, when I was thrown into it and I was brand new and I was trying to keep my head above water, I was a multicolored guy where, you know, red would be a task to accomplish, blue would be information, you know, things like that. Um, Throughout the year, as I got better at my craft and I became more efficient and better at holding some information in my head, but again, still keeping everything on paper so I didn't lose track of it. I gradually transitioned to being just a one color, one pen person. And I think that's where I've studied out and how I'm going to maintain for the rest of residency. Wow. Okay. So I never did that, but, uh, but I like the blue and black because that really helps for the contrast. Have you, have you seen anybody successfully using cards? Cause I know in, in uh, medicine services, that's very common, right? You have a stack of cards each patient's a card and you can actually physically give the card to somebody else as you pass on a shift. Anybody doing that kind of thing? Well, I think that's infeasible for us. You know, if we had a card for every patient on our service, you'd be sitting on a two inch lump when you try to, you know, sit down and, and get caught up on your charts. Um, so I haven't seen anybody using cards in, in neurosurgery, certainly not here at Rush or anywhere that I rotated. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt the same way. There's a lot of shuffling of cards when people ask you a question. <laughs> it's a little awkward. I see the neurologists do that a lot, though. Yeah, can yeah. you imagine losing one? <laughs> How about the whole stack, right? <laughs> right? I think somewhere we talked about that. One of our episodes, we talked about finding a random list somewhere and being a very bad day for people who lost their oh, list. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you do these lists. Okay. And so what, the new list comes out every day or every half day and you generate and print one? Or how do you do that? Well, this, I'm sure, will differ by institution as well. And also, 
not just with institutional norms, but largely these days it might be influenced by what EMR software your hospital has. Um, Cerner Power Chart, which is a fairly common one, um, can print out a list with, you know, and it'll give some information about the patient. Epic, which is, you know, of course, the most common EMR these days, can also print out a handout sheet with some information. Um, here at Rush, at the Rush Main Hospital, we have Epic. At Cook County, we have Cerner Power Chart. Um, but at Rush, the Epic handout sheet or the handoff sheet doesn't capture as much detail and as much information as we like. And also, we've never been able to get it small enough to fit everybody on one page. So what we do is we have a running Excel spreadsheet where we manually list out every patient with their name, their medical record number, um, you know, a shorthand, an in-house shorthand to give us a, like a one-liner on what the patient is and what surgery they had for what pathology, et cetera. And so every morning we print that out once in the morning and handwrite in some lab values and numbers and whatnot on that. And then for evening sign out at the end of the day, we'll print a fresh list um, and, and again, have that for overnight. Okay, so we're eight minutes into our podcast, and I know a lot of people are saying, this is too basic. These guys, I'm not going to listen to them anymore because this is stupid. I know how to make a list. So let me just change the tone a little bit and talk about the neurobiology since I'm 20 years out of residency now. And I still do this. And I find that from a neurobiological or psychological standpoint, the power of the list we talked about the power of the spoken word, right, on, on a previous Hell Week podcast. But let me tell you about the power of the written word. And it, it really comes to me in two stripes. The first part of it is when you're juggling so much information. Now, these lists are not very uh, dense with information, right? It's like pull a drain, check a CBC. So it's not like the medicine list where every lab value is written down. Let's just be clear about that, right? All right. There is at some point this sort of information overload that occurs with us uh, where it's like you're given 50 things to do. And because you have to juggle those 50 things in the front of your brain, you can't put it on the back burner. You can't really do or be successful at much else. And this is this is something that I found to be very true for myself, um, that if I don't write down the list, it's something occupying a little slot on in my frontal lobe and I can't get creative or do other things or focus on what I'm doing now. Do you find that to be true, JP? Um, absolutely. And, and in fact, if you're going to open the door and let us get into the psychology of these things, uh, I'm going to lean into that. So if you want to think about items on your list um, kind of as an external memory drive. You know, this is a, a primitive form of, of the phenomenon we see today where no one really knows information like they used to because we all have our smartphones. We can Google anything. So we can think about concepts and we can creatively problem solve. But who really carries knowledge or information in their head when it's a, a little tap away on your phone? Similarly, these lists that may just have a name, what surgery someone had, how many days are in the hospital, and then a lab value here or there, and a task associated with that. Obviously, that is not a complex, rich picture of that patient in their hospital course. But what it is, is a series of mental cues so that when you reach a certain level of your craft again, you look at that list, you see a name and a checkbox with one task, and it cues memories that you've stored in your head that give you that full, rich, deep understanding of the patient. So if it says, pull drain on this patient today, you look at that and it reminds you, why do they have that drain? What surgery did they have? Why are we ready to pull it, et cetera, et cetera? Exactly. And I will say that, you know, we've talked about this before. Let's say that you're given the opportunity to, um, if you will, 
uh, scrub with the chairman of your department. And so if you hadn't made this list, you may be busy, preoccupied thinking about, oh, I, I forgot to do this. And instead, you should be concentrating on talking to the chairman about his golf game or her, you know, her desires to go eat at a restaurant or the kind of wine you enjoy or music. And so it really allows you to be the higher level, normal human that you are. As you said, it's an external drive, right? So let me just, let me just come up with the second primary reason I still make lists today. And this seems silly, but you're going to have to rely on this heavily as you go through these dark days, uh, which is, uh, I'm reminded by, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm reminded of a book that I, I bought several copies of and distributed, partly to support the author, partly because I loved it so much. It's a very short read. It's called Make Your Bed. It's uh, by uh, Admiral uh, William McRaven who organized a lot of important things, right? A lot of important things that happened during the, the re recent Middle East crises of the last 20 years. So the bottom line is make your bed. The idea is get up and make your damn bed. And I, I hate making my bed. I'm like, what's the point? I'm just going to mess it up again tonight, right? And the point is you accomplish something. And so when you get to check those boxes, there's a, there's a tremendous... Uh, a feeling of satisfaction that happens at a very primal level, just like playing video games and beating a boss or getting to the next level. And, and that is so satisfying to, to, to get through your list, to see the boxes checked. You know, and I got very angry at our nurses in clinic because I'll see 60 people a day and they're like, oh, yeah. So it's like six pages of patients posted on the wall and they'll like rip the pages down. And sometimes I'm like, don't do that. Leave it up there as a as a, a sign of our accomplishment, because I need that, you know, and I, that sounds pedestrian. But trust me, you guys are going to get the dark days where you might need this. And you're like, wow, you know, this is something I did. So so JP, sorry, I'm rambling on, but please, please chime in if you would agree or disagree on that. I could not agree more. I mean, having already talked about the organizational level on the front end of making the list, obviously there is huge satisfaction and not just checking the items off one by one, but kind of as you said, when you get to the end of the day and you see your full list with all the boxes checked off or whatever system you use, one, you use that to paranoidly and obsessively make sure you didn't miss anything, but two, that's a testament to your day. I, I sometimes have some lists where at the end of a very long day, you know, there's, as you said, 60, 70 people on it. It's got coffee stains. It's got sweat stains. It's marked here and there. And frantically trying to keep some notes in a margin and everything's checked off. You know, the, the paper is, it almost feels like a tissue because it's been folded and unfolded so many times and stuck in my pocket while I'm running around. That's a day of your life. That's a day in the lives of 60 or 70 people you're responsible for. That's a, that's a testament. That's a trophy to getting through that day. And every yeah. day of your life as a neurosurgery intern is going to feel like a marathon or, or feel like some feat that you've accomplished. Take home your trophy. Yep. And it seems sad. I know for you right now, when you're not a doctor yet, it seems sad. Oh, well, you're reduced to the satisfaction of checking a box. But I will tell you that, remember, each one of those boxes is an important element of somebody else's life, uh, namely a patient. And just because it's a box, I mean, you know, you could say, you know, playing risk is just conquering countries and you're just putting like armies on a board. What if they're real armies and what if they're real countries, right? So think about it from a higher level, which is these are real things you're doing. That is, that is helping people or preventing harm. And I can tell you lots of stories, and we could go into it, of people who didn't make lists and people who destroyed lives because of it. And, and, and even, even the most, uh, how do you say it, even the most uh, obsessive compulsive person with all the lists is going to make mistakes. So can you imagine the people who don't? So right. 
let, let's get to closing with another issue, which I know that you wanted to bring up, JP, which is this concept of lists of lists. And this is, I, I love the concept, right? The lists of lists, the higher orders, a hierarchy, or the, the, the strata of these different organizational capabilities. Right. I mean, it, it almost makes you think for any mathematics fans out there of Cantor's infinity of infinities, right? And the, the, the system can become ever more complex. And so, you know, the, the higher you get in any hierarchy and, and even making the small jump I just made from medical student to intern, obviously you can stratify your day and structure the, the tasks you have to accomplish in a list, right? But as you become increasingly responsible not just for yourself, but for a system of people who have to accomplish tasks, then you obviously can start to develop a list of lists, which is the, the vista you see of individuals who have to accomplish their own tasks. And you start to become a manager of people with their own list of tasks, not just a soldier with your own. Right, right. And it's funny, my co my co-resident Charles Liu, who's very famous now, is out there. And I remember when we were young attendings at USC, I would make these long lists on a legal pad because it's even longer. Every morning I'd make a new list and uh, and it would include stuff from the previous day, right? Which is kind of embarrassing. And he would say, Why do you make all these lists, Mike? I'm like, Well, you know, I'm gonna explain it to you. He goes, he goes, he goes, Mike, you know, if it's important, I'll remember it, right? And and in some ways, <laughs> some ways I hope I can get to that like super CEO level. But I'm not there yet. I'm still busy taking care of the grunt uh, aspects of everything in my life. And, and I still find it to be a useful tool that I learned as an intern. No, and honestly, I think, um, again, not to zoom out too much, but I think it's a useful tool that you can apply to your, your life outside of the hospital as well. You know, if, if you're at home on a day off or, or you get home um, from work after a long day, you can think in a structured way about, what do I need to accomplish in my life, not just while you're at work? And so thinking again about the lists of lists, maybe within a given day, you obviously have all your hospital duties and your, your responsibility to your patients and to your program. But outside of that, do you have a wife? Do you have a husband? What do you have to do for the significant people in your life that day? Maybe you need to make your bed or do some laundry. Maybe you need to cook some food for the week. And so maintaining that list of lists is not just a, a tool or an approach to your, your time at work, but it's a way to think about your days, your weeks, your months, kind of organizing your life as we just uh, talked about on a recent regular episode of the podcast with uh, Dr. Abosh about organization and focus. It's a, it's a tool to keep track of what do I need to do today through all different aspects of my life, not just while you're in the hospital. Right, JP. I couldn't agree more. So please continue to tune in for our Hell Week episodes. I don't know if you're an intern, a medical student, or maybe someone more senior than that. I hope this is helpful for us uh, all. And please feel free to email us with comments and recommendations and suggestions at neurosurgerypodcast at gmail.com.